Welcome to episode 34 of ShimmyCast, the podcast for dancers and fans of Middle Eastern dance. I'm your host, Anala Ribari. This week we have the usual event announcements and answers to the question of the week, a review of the book Snake Hips, and the first part of an interview I had with Mariah Chapel from the Belly Dance Superstars. Yes, I got to interview a belly dance superstar. I'm very excited. Um, I went to her workshop last weekend in Tulsa, and it was wonderful. And I'll talk to you guys more about that in a later episode. Um, but she was very gracious enough to let me interview her after the workshop was over. So I can share that with you guys. And the music for this week's episode is Follick and Solus. Let's get started. So I'm really sorry. Um, the last episode, I recorded it a little earlier than I intended to because uh, my husband and I were going out of town to go visit our families in South Arkansas. So I forgot to mention who the contest winners were for the answer question drawing. Um, and they have been announced on the message board and I have gotten in touch with them. They all know who they are and they're eagerly awaiting their prizes to reach them in the mail. And just so the rest of our listeners know, the winners are, in first place, Zephnis from Tennessee. In second place, Kahara Mia from Pennsylvania. Third place, Nema from Missouri. And in fourth place, Yarn Dancer from Scotland. So if you see them on the message boards or something, be sure to tell them congratulations. So what prop do you think you won't try? Arabella from Vermont says, I hesitate to refer to this as a prop since they're living beings, but I can't imagine that I will ever dance with a snake. Nuff said. And, and you'll, this question came up. Um, it was actually one of my troop members who asked the rest of us during our roundtable discussion, and I'll, you'll finish hearing the rest of that, I promise, in some future episodes. Um, and yeah, I said the exact same thing. I, I do, I feel bad referring to dancing with snakes as using a prop because uh, they're living beings like you. Um, Arabella had a problem with that, although I'm not sure what else to call them. Um, my issue is I really think... I, I enjoy watching snake dancing, but I really think if you're going to dance with a snake, you have to be committed and you should actually own the snake. I know some dancers who rent theirs, and I don't think they look as good dancing with the snake as people who own their own snakes. And I'm, I, yeah, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm a wuss. I'm a total wuss, and I don't think I could take could handle taking care of a snake and like feeding it mice and all that kind of stuff I just oh I couldn't handle that snakes are beautiful creatures and snake dancing is beautiful I just don't think I'm the type of person who could commit to taking care of a snake in order to really what's the word I'm looking for 
um, solidify that connection that I think you have to have with a snake in order for, to make it a beautiful snake dance. And as you'll hear one of the girl, one of the other troop members say, she, she thinks of snake dancing as you're dancing with a partner. And, and I think she's absolutely right. And whenever you dance with a partner, you have to actually cultivate the relationship you have with that partner. And I just don't think I could handle doing that. (laughs) And all of you who are out there who love snakes and snake dance, I respect you because like I said, I, I think it probably takes a huge commitment to do that. And it's just not a commitment that I personally am willing to step up to. So you go girls who do that. And then, uh, what dancer's wardrobe would you want to go through? Shannon B. from Vancouver Island, British Columbia says, Carolina Noricchio, definitely. I don't know much about ATS, but I'm fascinated by it. I'd love to spend a bit of time examining ATS costumes for construction tips and ideas. I have to agree with you. Like, I personally, I would love to just look through any ATS or Tribal Fusion dancers' wardrobes. I'm just, I'm fascinated by their costumes. And maybe if I were in a tribal troupe, or if more of the vendors in my area carried tribal costume stuff, I wouldn't be so fascinated and intrigued by it. And it's kind of like, you know, there's this, to me, there's this big mystery around it, and I'm, I'm just not quite getting it because it's not around me. And so it's like, ooh, big mystery out there that I want to learn all about and explore. So I am right there with you. We can go together. (laughs) And now your ShimmyCast news. July 25th through the 29th, Oasis Dance Camp East with Cassandra, guest teacher Sahara Saida, and percussion with Nicole Lacrange in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. July 27th, Gypsy Fire will be performing at the River's Edge Bistro and Cafe in Tulsa, Oklahoma. July 27th through the 28th, Shimmy Fest featuring Dahlia Corellia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. July 27th through 29th, retreat at Lake Nakamaxon with Grant Smith and Taya, Upper Bucks County, Pennsylvania. That name just always throws me. July 28th, Arton 2007 Drum Dance and Didgeridoo Festival in Reno, Nevada. July 28th through the 29th. On Meta's, Amy Siegel teaches two days of workshops in Las Vegas, Nevada. July 28th through the 29th, Morocco Workshop and Show in Tallahassee, Florida. July 30th through August 1st, the International Belly Dancing Convention with workshops, shows, vendors, and more in Las Vegas, Nevada. August 2nd, Bellahar will be playing at Casa de Luz in Austin, Texas for the Desert Passion Show. October 20th through the 21st, Ariella and Ziva Serpentina in workshop 
Ariella will be teaching four hours of tribal fusion and yoga on Saturday and two hours of gothic belly dance styling Sunday. Viva will end the weekend with two hours of Indian fusion style belly dance. This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week. And as always, you can find more information about all of these events on our forum board. This week's review is Snake Hips, Belly Dancing and How I Found True Love by Anne Thomas Sophie, reviewed by Nala Rabari. I want to make it clear, as Sophie does, that this is not a history of belly dance book, and it is not an instructional book. This is a belly dancer's memoir. However, she does include a small resource section at the back of the book that covers well-known dancers of different styles, musicians, suggested readings, and useful websites. This section concludes with a glossary of terms used in the book that some readers may not be familiar with. This book was published in 2002 by the Chicago Review Press. This 262-page book is a must-read for any belly dancer. No matter where you are at in your belly dancing, be it a beginner or a well-seasoned veteran, you will be able to enjoy this book. Sophie is a Lebanese-American, and the majority of this book takes place in the Vir Richmond, Virginia area, which was also charming to me since I'm from the South. For some of the characters, she writes their dialogue phonetically, so you can really hear the southern accents in your mind as you're reading. Her attention to details and her style of writing makes the stories vividly come to life in your mind. I found myself remembering my own belly dance story as I went along reading hers. It was so wonderful because I was constantly thinking, Oh yes, I remember being in a situation like that. Or I would be thinking... Thank God I've never been in a situation like that. The book is full of wry razor wit from chapter titles such as Your Daddy Ought to Smack Your Face, Nice Girls Don't Undulate, to the hysterically funny telling of her first performance where she was caught topless while trying to change costumes at a county fair. The book starts with her trying to recover from the heartbreak of being dumped by her longtime boyfriend and her friend jokingly suggesting belly dance classes as a way to get over her depression. I found this interesting because it seems that so many of us find our way into belly dance because we are searching for something to make us feel better about ourselves and to heal some sort of wound we have endured. This memoir covers all the important milestones of a belly dancer's career. Experiencing going to see your first belly dance stage show, attending that first class, the first time performing, picking out a dance name, getting publicity shots, joining a troupe, your first solo, dealing with troupe conflicts, road trip with fellow dancers, your first workshops, having to leave a troupe, getting indecent propositions, seedy venues, and unappreciative audiences. 
And on top of all that, just dealing with the regular life experiences, such as crazy family situations and getting into dating life again. Sophie leaves no stone unturned. To really help you get a true feeling for the humorous truth that lies in this book, I'd like to read an excerpt from the chapter, Putting It On and Taking It Off, wherein the author is trying to buy her first costume, and she has gone to a seasonal sale at a vendor's house where a lot of other dancers are shopping as well, and she has run into two ladies that she knows from classes named Joyce and Mary. Next to her, a woman who appears to be about her age, or maybe even older, is wriggling into a black bra hung with multi-colored strands of beads. I am sick with envy. Such a bra! And it has a belt to match. I want it. Surely she won't buy it. Ugh, Mary, says Joyce, shaking her head at the bra. That is the tackiest thing I ever saw. I know, Mary says, peering through her pink-framed glasses at the mirror. She shimmies her shoulders gamely and watches the multicolored fringe sway to and fro. It's tacky and disgusting, isn't it? Mm-hmm, Joyce nods. And though I'd like to hope this means I'll get a shot at the bra, it doesn't sound at all like they don't like it. In fact, the tackier they declare it to be, the more it sounds like they absolutely love it. I am learning something very important about belly dancer fashion, I think. Apparently, subtlety is not a plus. Fine by me, but too bad I didn't see that tacky bra first. This week's first song is Idle Hands from the album Dreams from the Machine by Follick.
emails and feedback. Um, Neymar pointed out to me that I left the review out of last week's notes for the show. And thank you very much. I got that updated. So sorry. Sometimes things like that slip through the cracks. Um, I also wanted to let you guys know at this time that if you are involved in helping to organize belly dance events, please feel free to send me contact information um, of somebody who is associated with that event, be it you or somebody else. And I will be glad to do phone interviews with you guys to help you promote your events and to let people know what's going on. Um, also, if an association with your event, you're looking for people to buy ad space in your programs, I would not be opposed to putting a ShimmyCast ad in a program or two. Um, also, if you're looking for door prizes, let me know. Um, I've created a Best of ShimmyCast CD that would be really easy for me to mail out for door prizes. And depending on the Rabari household budget, I might be able to send you some merchandise from the Cafe Press store as well. I know that's um, something that I'm actually doing here for Shimmy Fest, which is a local event near me. So if anyone has any comments, suggestions, or feedback, or you'd like me to plug your event for you and do some promotion, that's fine. Send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com. Post on the forum. Send an audio. Vote for us. Leave reviews. Sign up on the Frapper Map. Just, you know the drill. Do whatever you want. Okay, so now you are going to hear part of my interview with Mariah Chapel, who is one of the tribal dancers with Belly Dance Superstars. And she is just such a lovely lady, you guys. Oh my gosh. And her workshop, ugh, it, it killed me, but in a good way. <laughs> And I I really would love to go to another workshop of hers, and I can't wait um, either for me to be in a place where she's doing a workshop at the same time or for her to come back through this way or something. It was so much fun. I learned a lot, and I hope you guys enjoy hearing the interview. Now, is your name Mariah? Is that how it's pronounced? Okay, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Um no, you're going to have to forgive me because I'm actually a cabaret dancer, and most of my listeners are cabaret, so some of my questions might seem a little stupid. No. <laughs> um, so how did you get into belly dance? Well, my mother was a belly dancer uh, early, early on, so one of my first memories is throwing her zills off of the balcony to hear them clang on the sidewalk <laughs> below. I thought that was great fun, and then my sister, of course, my older sister, had to run down and get them because... It was pre-kindergarten, so she couldn't very well send me into the street to get them. So I loved doing that. Um, she would dance around the apartment, and it was just fun. I mean, my parents were um, actors, and they uh, did summer stock, and they were very bohemian. So I grew up sort of with this um, body knowledge and freedom of body awareness. My dad practiced yoga, which uh, was pretty early practice back then. You know, it had just come over in the 60s, so... You know, it had been around for a while once I was born, but he practiced that. My mom practiced belly dance. So I think that was my first exposure. And how long have you been dancing? 
professionally now about six years. Um, the, I've been on tour for about two, and I've been dancing really my whole life. After um, after school, when I was younger, my mother wouldn't send me to daycare. She sent me to ballet or tap or jazz or gymnastics or swimming. So I was always active, and I was always um, really kind of focusing on different expressions. Um, and then when I went on into college, you know, I didn't study dance, uh, but it was always in my life. It was always something in my life. When I graduated college, that's when I decided to pursue belly dance as um, a profession, and it's, it's gone really well, so I'm happy with it. Did you start cabaret, or did you start straight into tribal? You know, it was neither, actually. It was sort of this gypsy, bohemian approach, again, because I think that's what I had seen first. So my, um, you know, my parents would have these big parties. We'd have bonfires in the backyard, and there'd be drummers, and we'd all be dancing, and I just grew up with that, you know, and... Uh, so we had moved to Tennessee um, and bought property. My dad built a little house, and we just sort of were hippies in the woods. And, uh, you know, my mom would make circle skirts, and my dad taught me how to sew my own clothes. And we just, like, played. It was playtime every day. Um, and I loved that. So I grew up dancing under the stars and around a fire. So then once it came to stage and to nightclubs, I did have to choose, you know, cabaret or tribal. And I had joined a tribal troupe called Awalim in Atlanta, Georgia. And we would do renaissance fairs, and we would do sort of cultural events and different things. And then I danced with a couple live bands, one called Imrakotan and the Sultans, and they were a Turkish band. And they liked the gypsy elements, so that was fun expression for that. Now, the nightclubs, the ones that were the highest-paying nightclubs, right. only wanted cabaret. That's yeah. what they wanted. So for me, it was just a change of costume. It was a change of music. It was a, you know, a slightly different change of style, but I loved all of it. So it really wasn't like one or the other because it seemed like there was always such a mix. You could have Gypsy. You could have Flamenco. You could have Rajasthan. You could have you know, tribal, ethnic tribal. You could have cabaret Egyptian, cabaret Turkish, cabaret, yeah. you know, just American. It could yeah. be so many different forms. So I really loved all of it. And how supportive has your family been once you decided, yeah, I'm going to go professional? Uh, they're so proud of me. I mean, they, my mom is like, you know, you've been doing this since you were born. It's just the perfect thing for you to do. So they're really, really happy. They get a kick out of coming to see me. But, you know, it's so funny. My dad, they're separated now, so um, I'll sort of get my mom and dad at different times. My mom will come, and she wants all my costumes. I mean, she tries to steal them. <laughs> she tries to buy them. She tries to barter them. And, you know, I'm just like, let me just teach you how to make them. No, I want yours. <laughs> Um, my dad, he'll come and just kind of watch the show like, mm -hmm, yeah, it was fun. It was good. I'm like, Dad, weren't you impressed? I mean, wasn't it just like a mind blowing? He's like, well, no. I mean, you've been dressing this way your whole life. So it doesn't really look that different to me. So, yeah, I mean, they love it, but they're not really shocked by it, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> fabulous. And how did you get involved with the Belly Dance Superstars, and how long have you been with them? Okay. I uh, saw the Belly Net Superstars on their first tour after Lollapalooza when they came through Atlanta, Georgia. I was still there. Yeah. And I saw it, and at the time, it was it was a series of solos. Right. You know, it wasn't sort of the group production that it is now. It's right. really evolved. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, my God, I can do that. I can do that. I could get there. I could get up on stage. I'm going to do that. So, you know, I sent in a video. I talked to people. I kind of just, like, hung out with them and, and kind of always was calling, dropping a line, staying in touch, seeing what was available. And at that time, they hadn't had any auditions in America yet. So when they had their audition in L.A., um, they, there was like 80 women there auditioning. 
And myself and Jaina and Hannah Noor, who are on tour now, we're all at that audition, and we're all selected from that audition. Once I was selected, I moved uh, in with Suhaila Salampur, actually. I went up north and just was like, train me. And she was excellent. She trained me nine hours a day, every single day, until um, Miles called me to go on the road. So I really had sort of a total immersion in belly dance world. And, you know, professional ballerinas um, will do that. There's seven to nine hours every single day, one day off a week. And that's fortunately what I was able to have up there. Um, and so I've been touring for about two years now. I think this August it will officially be two years. Wow. Okay. What's your favorite move? My favorite move? Um... Well, <laughs> I love, okay, so I'll keep it simple. I love Amis. I love Mayas. I just think they're so sensual and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What move challenged you the most to learn? You know, it was um, the Sidewinder, which is pretty much a strictly like tribal move. You know, yeah. I, I never did it in, in cabaret or anything. Um, and that one is just so much goes into that. And, and one of the things about tribal is it will look like it's just one move until you try to do it. And there's six or seven layers going on there. I mean, you're really just focusing and moving in and in and in. And for me, I think that my body more naturally went towards tribal once I had to make that choice. Yeah. And I only had to make that choice once I went on tour. Yeah. Prior to that, I, you know, I could just dance however I danced, and, and it was fun, and I would express myself in different ways. But then on tour, there really is only Jelena-style cabaret or Rachel Bryce-style um, tribal, and that you're kind of one or the other. And, of course, there are variations. I mean, Sharon and Zoe and me and Rachel, we all dance very differently. And, of course, Marty has her own style, and Cami has her own style. Um, but we all have a similar background. Right. Same with the cabaret. There's a certain background that is um, heavily influenced by ballet and jazz and Jelena and West Coast cabaret style. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I began to move more into the tribal and getting the internal locks and the internal muscles going on, I just fell more and more in love with it. So. Yeah. Fun. What music do you like to listen to? Oh, God. Uh... I really like weird stuff. There's this new band that I just found online, and I'll spell it for you. C-S-O-L-O-K-O-M. I don't know. But it's this, I think it's like a Romani, gypsy, kind of Slavic something, and I just love it. I think it's so fun to listen to. So the gypsy stuff really gets my heart pumping. And, you know, one of my favorite memories of tour is we were in Antwerp, and we just did a, a, a big show there. And we came back to the lobby of the hotel, and there was this band, like, playing. But they weren't on a stage. They were just kind of playing in the lobby. And we were like, that really sounds like the Gypsy Kings. And so we go down, and we start, like, looking around and kind of recognizing the singer. Like, that is the Gypsy King. And we all recognized it from, you know, Lato Drum. Right. And so that music has always just really held something magical for me and you know just something but you know apart from that I love pinophobe I love um, the things that are coming out that are a bit more industrial Amintobin and you know sort of all of those things so now I know you said you make a lot of your costumes yeah. so where do you buy your supplies where's your favorite place to buy supplies to make your costumes 
You know, I just taught a workshop on costume making this last weekend, and I must have referenced Joanne's like 93 times. I mean, everything. And it's not the metals, of course, but the fabrics and the sewing needles and the scissors and the E6000 glue that could fix your car. I mean, it's like Joanne's. And if you go to Joanne's, you'll find, and also at Joanne's they have. (laughs) So for me, this is a big resource. And somebody came up to me, and this poor girl was like, I don't know how to sew. (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, Joanne's offers glasses. So I think that's really great. Um, also online, of course, you can find so many things. There's redcamel.net yes, or yes. .com. I'm not sure which I one. Love they're great, yeah, and, and their prices are so reasonable. I know. And they keep up with their online pictures so well. I mean, mm-hmm. they just immediately they let you know when something's sold and when something's available. So for all my like tassels and sort of big chunks of jewelry that I'm going to sew onto a bra or sew onto a belt, that's where I'll go for them. And then of course for the silver like Rajasthan pieces or Moroccan pieces or Berber or whatever that I wear for arms and necklaces, um, I, I'm constantly searching online. So whenever I can find a good deal, then I'll buy that. Um, also, a lot of antique shops has some really beautiful pieces that uh, we're wearing in our hair and on our costumes yeah. now, like some of the brooches and um, even like shoe clips and sort of different things. Um, there's some beautiful Chinese jewelry that's out there too. There are some mm-hmm. hair sticks and Mao pieces and hill tribe, I mean, Tibetan things, uh, Thai things, just sort of anything you can get your hands on really that looks like that ethnic thing, even though it's not Middle Eastern, right. you know, we're really getting more into the fantasy art now. So right. it, it starts to become something that you might see in a comic book of like what belly dancing could be on planet Morocco if you were <laughs> some, you know, industrial tribe. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite costume accessory? Oh my goodness, these are hard questions. Okay, right now it's the silver belts that that you can buy, the Rajasthani belts that you wear um, just on your stomach. They're like belly chains, and you screw them together, you know, with a little buckle on the front. And um, Samantha Hostrop, who's um, just joined our our troop, she just gave me one, and I just wanted to like lay her down and and like make out with her because I was like I can't believe you just gave me this I've been searching for one under $400 forever and she gave me one and I was like I love you so much I could cry Uh, but right now I love that yeah because it sort of feels like a snake around your abdomen you do all these belly rolls and it sort of moves with you and that one's been a lot of fun for me to dance with So that is it for this week's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, the question for next week's show is, what five things make a good belly dancer to you? And you can send an answer to shimmycast at gmail.com or go ahead and go post it on the forum boards and you can start a little discussion amongst yourselves. And the second song for this week is The Sultan's Dance from the album The Gathering Season by Solace. And you can find both of this week's albums at magnatune.com. I hope you all enjoy, and until next time, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on.
Thanks again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com. And be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.